We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of The Octagon on August 22, 1980. It was written by Lee Chapman, based on a story by Chapman and Paul Aaron, directed by Eric Carson, and released by American Cinema Releasing. Dorothy Stratton... Galaxina was murdered by her husband Paul Snyder this morning. Wow. Chuck Norris got his. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Give us a moment. Give them a Shocking moment. Shocking news. I, I don't remember the entire conversation we had about this previously, so, you know, this is news to me. Basically, Paul Schaefer, frontman of the Dave Letterman band, <laughs> murdered Galaxina in cold blood. Moment, moment of silence for Galaxina, who was killed by her about to be ex husband during the shooting of they all laughed or maybe right after they all laughed something like that yeah inspiring the film star 80 and uh, a tv movie starring jamie lee curtis as her chuck norris got his start as a professional martial artist and won several nationwide tournaments on the way to a career training celebrities in various martial arts for film one such actor friend and fellow martial artist bruce lee invited him to play one of the main villains in way of the dragon while training friend Steve McQueen, Norris was encouraged to pursue lead roles, which he landed first in 1977's Breaker Breaker, which did well, and then Bad Guys Wear Black, which also turned a fair profit. The Octagon landed in the middle of a string of successes that made Norris an international celebrity. He later signed a multi-picture deal with Canon Films and became their biggest star in the mid to late 80s, with titles like Missing in Action, the first of three films, Invasion USA, and Delta Force, which is probably his best-known work before Walker, Texas Ranger. His greatest contribution to society, in my opinion, was in serving as the inspiration for Conan O'Brien's long-running bit, The Walker, Texas Ranger Lever, which was a large lever next to his desk. Conan would occasionally yank at random points through his show and activate an out-of-context and comically nonsensical clip from CBS's popular series. So here it is. The one Walker clip we've never shown, once you see it, You'll understand why. <laughs> and how you doing, little partner? Fine. And it's little visitor now. <laughs> Adewayoli's how you say it in Cherokee. Oh, well, pardon my French, but uh, I'll be damned. <laughs> Walker told me I had AIDS. Uh, so this was a successful movie? Yep. It only cost like $4 million. How, how much did it make? Uh, $4.05 million. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this movie did turn a profit. Yeah. That's impressive to me. I'm not entirely sure what drew, drew people to this movie to begin with. I and think people were into kung fu movies at the time. I guess. And into wow. whisper monologues. It's <laughs> <laughs> super yeah. into that whispering. It was like early ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> he would have made a fortune on that now. We open the film with obnoxious internal monologue that will carry throughout <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know who it was at first like you don't know who it is until later yeah like did you did you guys think it was chuck norris i i thought that i okay. assumed that yeah I, I assumed it was but I, I i was like first of all i can barely understand what the hell he's saying but even when you can it's his, his the first line is does anybody know no how can they it's like what are you talking about <laughs> I, I was like the, the horror yeah, exactly. It's Colonel Kurtz just whispering into the microphone. Does anyone know? How can they? A military truck rounds the corner and stops. At the back, two dozen men carrying duffel bags are let out and walked a few kilometers down the road. As the men are walked down the road, ninjas, completely covered in black, wait at the top of leafless trees in broad daylight. 
I think you're supposed to wear the black when it's nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. I think you wear it all the time. These are the worst ninjas ever, as we discover throughout the film. Though. Yes. <laughs> um, I, this whole opening just felt very MacGyverish. It did. It was, yeah. This is like the cold. This is the opening gambit of a MacGyver episode. The music matches. Yep. The 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 set and the the location is like. It oh, looked like, like Trumbo's world. The the wall yeah. around his. Farm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I actually looked up Trumbull's world to make sure it wasn't the same main gate. No, they built this for the movie. Yeah, but but just shooting up in like the Santa Monica Mountains and stuff like yep, that. It's was all like... Valencia and mm-hmm. yeah, Spanish Hills, um, or not? What is it called? Uh, Spanish Hills is no. out here. Indian Hills. Yeah, it's the Indian Hills area up there. The men are led through a gate into a small village where an octagon is visible. The titular octagon? Who knows? This whole place isn't in the shape of an octagon. Yeah. There is an octagon here. But they never refer to it as the octagon. No. They never say, throw him in the octagon. No one says the word octagon in this whole movie. (laughs) Other people in the camp, including exactly one woman, are training to fight each other. We're introduced to a man who seems to be in charge of the camp and then cut away to a mansion across town. A man is kissing his wife goodbye and gets into the back of a luxury car and pulls out of the driveway when the car is struck by a baby carriage moving down the sidewalk. Yeah. When I saw this woman walking down her baby, I was like, okay, this isn't real, but is it like a bomb? Is it going to blow up when it, when it hits the car? And it didn't, and I was really disappointed <laughs> that she pulls out this machine gun. And I was like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> So the chauffeur gets out to investigate the woman with the carriage, and then she fires this machine gun into the driver and then climbs into the car to kill the passenger in the back seat. And she does it right. It wasn't just like one or two shots. She drills this guy. There's no way he's going to live. This is right when I think Addie decided, maybe I don't want to watch this with you guys because there's just blood (laughs) spurting all out of this guy. Several other guards at the mansion return fire and we cut to Chuck Norris applauding a performance at a ballet. It's important to note that one of the attackers was injured or killed in the flea. Right. Chuck Norris is apparently attending this ballet with his male friend AJ, read into that what you will, on stage where they are for some reason invited after the show They both eyeball the lead dancer, and she notices them. Chuck Norris is playing Scott James here, and AJ is talking about how he deserves a date with a girl like this lead dancer, and that he's tired of the space cadets that he's always dating. Suddenly, Two space cadets. His current (laughs) space cadet pops up behind him and asks what he just called her. As AJ's girlfriend drags him away, Scott James approaches the dancer. He tells her that he was impressed with her performance, and suddenly they're walking through a restaurant entrance. They notice a newsstand describing the grisly assassination of the man we just noticed. The dancer seems worried about this murder, claiming to have some psychic ability, though that never plays into anything. <laughs> she doesn't. She certainly doesn't see something's coming. Yeah. Well, I think that she's just trying to make an excuse here yeah. because of what we find out later. She's obviously got inside information about this right. killing. Yeah. Right. We cut from the restaurant to a pair of men standing in front of a bonfire at the camp. One of them, Sakura, gives orders to another, which he passes to the troops. Kill the family. Kill your family, Homer. (laughs) Me and the ghost are real upset you haven't killed your family yet. (laughs) (laughs) As Scott walks the dancer into her home, his internal monologue whispers that there's something here, all echoey. I don't know why he's not saying this out loud. There's someone here. I feel it. The dancer complains about a light bulb, that she only changed last Tuesday that appears to be out again when suddenly ninjas jump out of the darkness. Scott tells the girl to get down and stay down on the ground. Instead, she runs up the stairs into the non-loving arms of another ninja. <laughs> she is immediately stabbed and killed. Um, there was a, a, a little bit of a bit before this I wanted to get into though, real quick. Um, it's just that he asks her a question at dinner and then she answers it while they're walking up to her house. <laughs> Implying that the conversation had not moved at all. Correct. Like through throughout the entirety of dinner, the car ride back to her apartment or house and then walking up. And that's when she decides to answer. <laughs> My God, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think about that. That's a good question. No talking until I figure this one out. Shh, I'm thinking. <laughs> After killing all the ninjas and before seeing to the stabbed dancer, Scott heads outside to turn the power back on. Once he's back inside the house, Scott learns that ninjas, not unlike werewolves, turn back into ordinary people when they die. Everyone on the floor looks like an innocent family member in regular everyday clothes. More voiceover. Oh my 
Back at the Octagon camp, all of the new troops are lined up in the barracks. Their instructor asks one to step forward, and after he does, a trapdoor opens below him. The guy who fell through the trapdoor is just yelling a lot. <laughs> it's like uh, an Austin Powers. Yeah, it's basically... I'm still alive down here. Yeah. Uh, but the guy's trying to give a speech to everybody above, and you just hear this guy downstairs going, What the fuck? Get me out of here. God damn it. I also love that everyone looks down at the floor and they can clearly see, yeah, there's definitely not a trap door. Yeah, it's only That's, in front of that guy. <laughs> there's clearly a trap door right yeah. there. Uh, at the end of this speech, the door opens again for the guy to climb back out. So he's not even dying. He just like got embarrassed for a second. But he immediately jumps out. As soon as those doors open, he's like, he's like, he's out. Yeah, like, it's like, like one of those stage launch pl- yeah. platforms. The next day, Scott tells AJ that he's still angry about what happened last night when his date was murdered (laughs) and Ninja attacked him. (laughs) AJ tells him that it's a waste of energy to think about traumatic things that happened 12 hours ago. (laughs) Why are you letting this get out of proportion? You only knew the girl a few hours. What are you talking about? She was murdered in front of me. (laughs) By ninjas who don't exist. (laughs) When he's trying to play it down, he says, Hey, Scott, it's uh, worse in the war, a lot worse. That's not the same as when someone gets murdered in a house. (laughs) As he drives through Griffith Park, Scott says to himself, I know the answer. Only you can train Ninja. Ninja. Sakura. Sakura. You're my brother. brother." Because he has to talk to his brother in his whisper voice in his head. Okay, so I want to know how many times you had to back up the movie to get these whisper dialogues because I couldn't understand 90% of what he said. It's a lot. It's a lot I, of times. I, I gave up after a while because like he's just he's just saying what we already know. Yeah, there's no reason for this. He, there's never something being said in the internal monologue that we can't tell from looking at him. Or isn't or isn't fully explained in a flashback or something else later. Right. I definitely think they were an afterthought because they worried that Chuck Norris was not emoting enough because he is not emoting enough. He... <laughs> He is a cardboard cutout of Chuck Norris for this entire movie. Well, I have a sneaky suspicion that we will not be editing in these clips because no. people will not know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. To, to compliment what you're saying. We get a flashback to young Scott and young Sakura fighting by a riverbed. Now the voiceover gets too dense and overlaps itself to the point that it's no longer understandable. <laughs> Scott goes to speak with McCarn. I'm not sure where they're supposed to be. I assumed McCarn's home until he looks up at a trophy animal on the wall and says, It's me. What kind of an SOB can kill a fine animal like that? Yeah. So maybe this is just a lodge that they met at. Uh, McCarn is holding a wanted poster for a man named Johan, and he tells Scott that this is the only man that he wouldn't kill with a mercy shot if he were bleeding out. I'm not super clear on who McCarn is. That, that's- he's, he's like an anti-terrorist like special i'm assuming he's some kind of black ops but he seems to be like a double agent not a double agent but like he's he's both supposed to be a good guy because he's friends with chuck norris but he's also a bad guy i think he's a bad guy in the same way that the american government is bad i think he's working on orders i think he's operating outside of laws like he he's working for the government but he's got like clearance he's got a license to kill yeah because my note is exactly that i was like uh he goes to see mccarn and they talk about ninjas who who is this guy i don't know yeah (laughs) scott tells mccarn that he encountered some ninjas last night and mccarn just tells him that he's crazy that that just didn't happen for sure aj bumps into ernie hudson outside a gym ernie hudson is not in enough of this movie yeah it's it's just this scene just this scene and he's got a character name which is like i don't remember them ever saying it and not only that but there's so much like set deck dedicated to this character there's a poster of him right behind aj there's a huge banner like a full like 10 foot tall banner of him and aj on the wall behind them as they talk but uh these banners are advertising the eighth annual martial arts expo and uh ernie tells aj hey your buddy scott could beat everyone here myself included why isn't he competing and he aj basically says he's done he's retired he doesn't want to uh fight and then ernie says he shouldn't have given up fighting just because that guy was seriously hurt in a match and aj says tell him yourself i already tried we never see ernie hudson again we never really hear about this martial arts expo again the scene is pointless they basically just introduced the fact that 
he feels some guilt about killing a guy in the ring and that's why mm-hmm. he doesn't fight anymore but he does fight still yeah. constantly he's fighting in every scene at the octagon camp we see someone doing a weapons exhibition he stabs a scythe through a coconut or something uh, and then that's the end of that scene yeah we 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 keep going back and forth to this training camp for just like just letting you know hey this training camp is still exists yeah because it would have been too sporadic for chuck norris to just be hopping all over los angeles so they have to include like one shot of a fight happening somewhere well and let's justify the fact that we called this movie the octagon so we gotta yeah. go back to this camp occasionally <laughs> scott finds a woman in a luxury car stuck on the side of the road he offers to give the car a nudge with his car but she insists that she drive his car and he drive her car for reasons wouldn't it be a lot safer if you drove my car and i drove yours not for you maybe well you're a stranger i'd be a bloody fool to think of you before myself well you're a stranger so shouldn't i drive your car it's like what What? why (laughs) well just let me drive your car because the screenwriter had an idea for later Mm -hmm. i was so sure that she was just going to leave him here yeah yeah but no she swings around and nudges her own car off the side of the road and as he's sitting in her car, which he doesn't need to do, uh, <laughs> he finds her name on some mail in the passenger seat. And conveniently before leaving, she invites him to her address and gives him her home address. She literally tell- spells out her whole address right before she leaves. And as soon as she leaves, Scott realizes she has the keys to his car still. Luckily for him, a taxi drove through, I guess. Yeah. And because he-, he says no harm done. It's like, really? I feel like you had to walk at least 20 miles. Yes. Yeah. But uh, he gets a taxi ride to her house because he can remember the address that she just said. She is home. She does have the keys. And she offers to drive him back to his car. But now he insists on driving her car because they're strangers. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, But now we've essentially rendered the last 10 minutes of the film useless. Both cars and people are back where they started. (laughs) This could have happened this way from the beginning. At the docks, AJ, like, he should have just pulled up, her car was disabled, and he was like, get in. Yeah. Because there's someone trying to kill you. At the docks, AJ is finding Johan as he gets off of a ship. Uh, Johan runs from AJ right into the non-loving arms of McCarn. Uh, On their way back to Scott's car, Justine asks Scott, why haven't you asked me out yet? Suddenly, they're being pursued by a Pontiac Firebird. The Jaguar is able to evade the Firebird long enough for a limousine to block the road and stop the people chasing them scott parks her jaguar just a quarter mile down the road expecting that now they're for some reason 100 percent in the clear and she admits to scott who these men were to be fair they were 100 percent in the clear right but there's <laughs> no way they came back like, to chase what if them? that pontiac drove around the limo and yeah. they're yeah. still chasing us well but this was all set up right but uh so she says that her father owns some publishing concerns in europe six months ago he was killed and as the heiress she started getting death threats demanding editorial changes or she would be next so are we to assume that her father was the one who got killed in that limo that that got shot up and this has been six months yes i I guess yeah because otherwise what was the point of shooting that guy yeah that must have been him but I thought that didn't even happen in the U.S. No, it didn't. She says that he's a media guy in the U.K. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she moved to L.A. to escape this danger. Correct. And then Scott's like, okay, uh, I'll take you to dinner. And she's like, oh, do you feel sorry for me? And he's like, no, I'm just worried. Back at the Octagon camp, all the recruits are being woken up in the middle of the night and informed which of them would have died had this not been a test of the emergency Octagon system. (laughs) There's no point to this scene either other than we got to space out all the Scott scenes. Scott hides in a tree outside a different compound. This isn't the Octagon. This is, there's like a staffing company for the Octagon. This place is run by a guy named Doggo, and he collects people that he wants to offer as recruits to Sakura for this training. And so Scott is there, and he's hiding in a tree outside the compound, and he sees the Pontiac Firebird parked around the back. So he knows, okay, the people who were chasing her work for this doggo guy here scott shows up at justine's home to take her on a date he apologizes for being late and she says oh that's right i never cared about time per se just timing whatever the shit that means time and timing are the same thing justine offers scott a drink and he asks her what her connection to mccarn is she admits that her bodyguards are employees of his she also admits that she got her car stuck on the side of the road on purpose 
to draw his attention because she wanted to hire him to find and kill Sakura. She wants to kill him because he's training ninjas in the desert, something she has already killed two other men for doing. Mm -hmm. There were three people that know how to train ninjas. They're all three training ninjas, and she hired people to kill the other two guys. And Sakura's the only one she has left, but the only person competent enough to kill Sakura is Chuck Norris, who she doesn't know is his brother. Or does she? I don't think she does. I don't think she does. And uh, and then he calls her a whore? Yeah. Well, she says that she knows he doesn't kill for money because he's not a mercenary. So she thought that she could win him over romantically and that she could ask him to do it as a favor and that he would kill this person for love. And then he says... That's an insult to both of us. It makes me stupid. And you a whore. Because she's selling sex for murder. More internal monologue. It can't be true. Can't true. Justine is lying. Lying again. Scott has dinner with AJ later. And AJ fills him in on all the updates. McCarn killed Johan. Nancy's brother. Nancy was the, the dancer. Her brother was a part of a terrorist organization. And apparently she was also a member and just quit suddenly. So that's why they killed her. Scott tells AJ for, I think not the first time, that these are ninjas. And AJ says, Talk about world-class killers. Hey, wait a minute. They've been outlawed for over 300 years. Is this the scene where he's drunk or is no, that It's later? before he's drunk. Okay. But <laughs> the way the scene plays out, it's just funny that he's like, Oh my God, ninjas. Wow, that's crazy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ninjas don't exist. I just <laughs> like, remembered. It's like if you said, like, <laughs> last night me and Nancy got attacked by dinosaurs. And it's like, oh, my God, they're so big. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't they been dead for 65 million years? <laughs> Talk about world-class killers. <laughs> AJ's space cadet girlfriend interrupts their chat. And uh, as he leaves, AJ shares a theory that Scott's adoptive father might have been Yakuza or possibly even a ninja. And Scott is very insulted by this. <laughs> Uh, is, is is ninja a bad thing in this universe like, i guess you don't even want people to to get ninja skills which is really just a martial art that's that's all you're doing when you pretend like you're converting someone into another species you're literally just training them in a martial art and justine tries to basically boil it down to they're silent killers it's like isn't that anybody who sneaks up on someone to kill them? Isn't also, that carbon monoxide? These guys are not very sneaky as ninjas go. Or stress <laughs> is the invisible killer. <laughs> but yeah, both of those things I would say are worse than ninjas. I'm going to die from stress before I die from ninjas. They haven't existed in 300 years, which I didn't realize. I thought ninjas were like an always thing. Like, yeah. I thought ninjas are evergreen. They're just always around. I mean, have we Googled this? Did you Google that ninjas no, haven't Google, existed? Do ninjas exist? <laughs> not, not now that my search history is public domain. Googling ninjas. I know that there are some uh, teenage mutant turtle versions that's true so at least they have existed in an insert of a classified ad we learn that these soldiers are being recruited with a simple ad that reads be a mercenary soldier with an address this is the most impressive feat that scott pulls off in the entire film he turns to dial the number from the classified ad on a rotary phone without even thinking about the numbers <laughs> we know this because we can hear his thoughts and he's talking about how aj was right that ninjas are misdirecting him I really wish that he'd turn to the phone and been like, six, six, four, five, five, eight, no, no, that's two fives, Wait, they spelled out the word ninja. And is what number? Very, very clever. A prospective soldier is lectured by the third in command at the Octagon camp. He tells them that they can take this camp and stick it. And as he turns to walk out, he gets a ninja star in the back. For some reason, Scott interrupts a square dancing lesson. <laughs> He's directed around the corner to the room he intended to visit. Yeah, he he, he asks for someone by name. He's like, oh, you're looking for the ninja recruitment? <laughs> it's in the yeah, room it's next over to there. Why, why is this so, like, you know, ramshackle ninja recruiting? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why this octagon is just a bunch of two-by-fours nailed together and their recruitment is just in the back of a square dancing hall like yeah, why is it so cheesy yeah it should be more secret it should be more like you know an owl delivers your invitation they had a, news <laughs> they had a newspaper ad like yeah. this isn't secret at all with an address it's not even like it was just a phone number and then they test you somehow it's literally come just on down on to 1121 las palmas in <laughs> los angeles california um byob yeah 
I checked it, by the way. There's That's not a real address, but they did use the same fake address in an episode of The Rockford Files. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, he finds Mr. Beatty and a cowboy in the back room. Beatty walks with a limp, and he's wearing a three-piece suit with a bow tie, and the cowboy looks like a cowboy. The team of Octagon recruits walk through a ravine and come across the corpse of one of their own. One of them gets down on the ground to check for signs of life when another ninja emerges from the dirt beside the body. This was a trap. And the man is lectured. Scott James back in the room with the guys we just cut away from. Now we're back. He sits down for a background check with them. And after he leaves Mr. Beatty and the cowboy, the cowboy says, oh, you know, that was uh, Scott James. That wasn't the, that wasn't who he said he was. That was Scott James. And he's like, oh, no. Why didn't you tell me? It's, it's like, like what, I, does I it am. matter now? No, I, I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Did you want me to tell you while he was still standing here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they decide it will be interesting to send Scott James to Sakura. We see Scott mumbling to himself in the restaurant again before cutting to a red-tinted flashback of young Sakura and young Scott completing an obstacle course. Scott wins the race, and his brother Sakura accuses him of cheating. As a result, Sakura is rejected by their father. Really harsh. Like, yeah. I was like, dude, like, hold on. First offense? Or maybe <laughs> yeah. this isn't yeah. the first offense. Maybe this is his third strike. His father pulls Scott aside and says, don't you dare try to fix your relationship with your brother. He's dead to you and you are lifelong enemies now. What? Justine shows up to interrupt Scott's reminiscing. Can you offer a lady a kind word? What? <laughs> that was my response That's to that exactly too. What I would have said. What the fuck are you trying to say? What is with the flowery dialogue in this movie? Oh my god! But this this exchange between them that then uh, ensues. Oh, it's is, so bad. It's it's ridiculous. I don't understand a single thing they're trying to say to yeah. each other. It so much of the back and forth is so weird. It's like they it's like they are little kids pretending to be grown ups and using like big words and mm-hmm. things that sound meaningful but don't actually mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like she tries to talk to him and then he interrupts her and then she says, Please, I'm trying to confess and he's like, Okay, sure you are and she's like, What does that mean? Oh, I don't believe you. Oh well I wish you did. Oh well I don't. <laughs> it's just like back and forth it's like just say one thing. Exchange information. <laughs> That's what talking is for. She basically uses a lot of fancy words to say, pretty please kill your brother. <laughs> she, this is another line she says. And until recently, I didn't know that I could care. But now that I know that, I want to change. What? So you want to not care? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I really want to stop caring. Yeah. I'm furious at my caring. Mercifully, AJ shows up and trades places with Scott at the table. <laughs> Sakura unleashes the graduating class of ninjas into the world. Oh, this this is so weird though, because basically the guys are walking with the recruits like, if we don't if we don't let if we don't graduate these guys, there will be no room for the new recruits. Yeah. So it's like we're we're fully, running out of beds. We're fully admitting that these guys are still too shitty to be yeah. actual ninjas. No but child left behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna move them on out. It's a for-profit college. Yeah. So they kick all these guys out. Uh, and then we cut immediately back to the hotel. AJ heads up to Scott's room after drinking a lot of champagne with Justine. And they have a very short conversation where we start to touch on the fact that AJ is jealous of Scott in the same way that Sakura was. And that he thinks that Scott's better than him. And so he's always out to prove himself. The next morning, Scott hops in a van and is driven to a warehouse out in the desert. This is Doggo's place. And he is called on to introduce himself. He says he wants ninja training because he's a mercenary and being a ninja would look really good on his mercenary resume. Uh, The guy doing roll call says that he's never heard of ninjas and someone else jokes that ninja sounds like a Japanese camera company. Was ninja really that obscure of a reference in 1980? Yeah. Well, like when when did like the motorcycle brand? It just, it was surprising to me that people were pretending like they'd never heard the word ninja before. Maybe it's just because people have said it my whole life. And so I always thought I knew what ninjas were. Yeah. Uh, not until 1984. Damn. Well, when did, when did the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles start? That was late 80s. Was that late 80s? Yeah. Either way, maybe, maybe it was a new word at the time, but it seemed weird to me well, that no one here had well, heard cause, it. Well, because, yeah, but um, you only live twice with ninjas. Do they call them ninjas? They though? do. Okay then this guy's just dumb. But also, like, I mean, so you're telling me that this movie did well because ninjas were, or because Kung Fu was, Kung popular. Fu was popular, but like... Because of ha- Bruce Lee specifically. Right, but they had ninja movies in like the 70s, right? Right. Yeah. 
this guy's implying that movies didn't exist for the last decade they ask for a demonstration of his skills and when he says no they attack him so then he gives them a demonstration of his skills uh he beats up three or four of these guys and leaves i guess yeah he leaves aj and justine are walking past the biltmore hotel this is where scott has been staying and the hotel restaurant is where they've been drinking this whole time it's in downtown los angeles it's the one from the ghostbusters it plays the sedgwick hotel where uh, michael ensign works and uh, the ghostbusters catch slimer Mm -hmm. by coincidence they cross paths with scott outside who ducks behind a column to avoid them no reason for this Uh, He doesn't learn anything from watching them, and it doesn't matter that they're both here at the same time. A car backfires, which scares Justine, and she cries. Oh, look, McCartan's here, too. And he bumps into Scott and starts warning Scott again needlessly that he needs to do something about this Sakura situation. A fight breaks out at the Octagon camp, and it's broken up by the masked man who seems to be second in command here. He pins a guy to a post with a sigh against his neck. And when Sakura approaches, it sounds like someone says, help, (laughs) unless I'm missing something. It almost sounded like Robocop's voice saying, help, like robotically. But uh, I'm not sure who's saying it or why or if that's even what's being said. I think it took me until this scene to realize that the masked guy wasn't Sakura because I thought like the it whole was, time, yeah, yeah, I thought it was supposed to be this like big Master reveal thing, type. like mm-hmm. that I'm your brother, and but it wasn't. It was nope. just the other guy. I don't remember any clues on the way to this discovery, but Scott walks right into a tailor's shop and says, I know you're the money behind Sakura's operation. Oh, McCarn tells him. But yeah, yeah but there's, it's not like a mystery that un, like is, clues are unveiled. It's just he goes up and says, this is the guy who's giving him the money. Mm-hmm. It's just like the whole point of these movies is that you're supposed to follow clues to things, not just blatantly give like, okay, in the next scene, here's what you're going to do. You're going to rough up this tailor. But he walks in and, and he says, hey, I know you're the money. And the guy goes, yeah, I admit it. <laughs> like immediately just flat out. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yes, I gave them a lot of money. But I don't have anything to do with them anymore. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like you wouldn't readily admit funding terrorism. Well, I, he was trying to play it off like, uh, yeah, I was in a bad place. Cause, like my brother was killed in Munich and I wanted revenge. But then I figured I was too expensive and it wasn't for me. And so I got out. That's what yeah. he tells him. Yeah, but he for sure didn't because they don't let you just get out. They yeah. kill you. We see Scott training for a moment at a gym before a flashback with young Sakura holding a scythe and threatening Scott. So we know that Scott is afraid of scythes. We see Scott come home and think to himself that AJ and Justine wouldn't be together if it wasn't for him and that he feels responsible. What he feels responsible for is not immediately clear, but he's like, I'm responsible. They wouldn't be together if it wasn't for me. And it's like, what? What is happening? Why is that bad that they're together? Why does it matter? The woman from the Octagon camp is waiting for Scott in his living room with an Uzi. Eventually, she just puts it down, insisting that if he wanted to, he would have taken it away from her. So why have it out in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also, you just got ninja training. You're supposed to be the highest class assassin in the world. Oh, but we know, based on what we've seen at the camp, that they're training is for shit right but he's 10 (laughs) feet away from her and she's holding an uzi yeah she already has it drawn and ready yeah it's already pointed at his body mass the tailor that we just saw meets with doggo and says hey that girl defected (laughs) because it's the only girl in the whole camp Uh, that's five this year sakura is going to be very upset and he said he's not going to accept any more people for ninja training and it's like isn't that his whole thing <laughs> this is bread what and butter. Does that mean? it's like it's like i don't your students are getting f's i'm closing the college i i think he just means from doggo yeah specifically uh i guess they do have too many students if they're trying <laughs> to graduate them early the defector begs scott for help and he says you're on your own because he's a jerk uh justine shows up and scott just dutifully answers the door and opens it and doesn't expect anything to be awkward mm-hmm. just like brings her in and it's like but, oh there's another woman here but they're not together and she's like who's this like it's like yeah. it's none of your business who this is you you've are- been out screwing my friend all day yeah justine tells scott that aj went to find sakura and <laughs> then we have another one of their weird conversations back and forth i can't find aj he's supposed to meet me and i think he's left to find sakura what Damn it, don't accuse me. I haven't had time. I am not to blame. Well, I am and I'm, I'm not. I inadvertently fueled a fire, but I didn't start it. Well, the whys and wherefores don't matter. And he's like, okay, well, I wish this wasn't happening. She's like, help me find him. 
Why the sudden turnaround? No! Well, what is the use of talking to you? I'll find him. You won't do it. I'll find him. So she's going to save him herself. But then when she gets down into the lobby, he's just fucking there. Yeah! <laughs> he, didn't even, he didn't even leave the hotel. <laughs> I was like, I thought he was missing. You made this whole big deal about like, oh, he left to get Sakura. Now everyone's mission is to save him before he gets to Sakura. And he's just downstairs checking out. Yeah. <laughs> Scott asks the defector where the camp is. And she says, I can't tell you that. And he says, what do you mean you can't tell me? You just drove from there. And she says, I know that I trained there. It's just that it's it's a little bit more complicated than that. And voila, the screenwriter has explained away the fact that she could have easily given him directions <laughs> and didn't need to go with him. AJ seems dead set on attacking Sakura anyway. And Justine says, you need to stop comparing yourself to Scott. He's way fucking better than you are. You're just a piece of shit. <laughs> You're comparing apples and oranges. Justine is hit with a blow dart as she insults AJ outside. And she's dead. <laughs> she's fucking dead. What happened? <laughs> what is going on in this movie? Doggo put a hit on her and now she's dead. Chuck Norris was in charge of protecting a woman. She died. Chuck Norris was in charge of protecting another woman. She also died. <laughs> There's no, there's no, <laughs> what, what do I care about now? Well, now, he, now AJ, we're supposed to care about saving AJ. I don't care about AJ. He's been a dick for the whole movie. <laughs> I want him to die. And his plan here is I'm going to go to the hive of the world-class assassins, thousands of them, <laughs> and kill them all by myself. Is Christopher Walken in the room? <laughs> I'm not even going to bring a gun. Scott asks the defector, can you get me to Sakura? And she reminds us, as the screenwriter has already explained, Okay, I can't tell you how to get there, but I'll get you there. What? What does that mean? <laughs> Even though Sakura is the one I'm trying to get away from. And then he says, me too. And it's like, no, it's not. You're both trying to get there. Instead of going to Sakura, they go to sleep. <laughs> so she's like, yes, I can get you there. But first, eight hours of restful first you sleep. Gotta, first, you got to get me there, if yeah. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but they sleep. In separate beds here. And then they wake up in the morning while rested. Their their friend, AJ, who was outside moments ago, uh, now has an eight-hour head start on them. <laughs> we see a team of ninjas scaling the building outside of the Biltmore Hotel for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why they're not just coming in through the hotel. Again, yeah. isn't it broad daylight? In no, the, no, it's, 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 it's at night. night. This okay. is while they're asleep. But, but they're loudly clawing up the <laughs> <Yeah>. building. <laughs> it's like, clink, 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 clink. Yeah. And we're intercutting with the ninja scaling the building. And then inside the hotel, in the hotel bar, there's a group of six people singing Jante Alouette for some reason. <laughs> like, I don't recognize any of the people at this table. Yeah. I, I, I thought what was going to happen was they were going to blow a cork off of something and it was going to arouse yeah. him from I his sleep. I thought the ninjas were going to accidentally break into that area, like the restaurant, and have to kill a bunch <laughs> of people. Just kill them all. <laughs> but there's just a bunch of people singing a song and we keep cutting back and forth from them singing in the hotel bar. People we never have seen and never will see again in this movie to the ninjas climbing the wall. But then suddenly, directly from outside of the building, they're in the room with Scott and he wakes up and kills multiple ninjas in his room. Outside, Makarn throws a smoke bomb to scare Doggo and then shoots him. Well, there's like this whole weird shootout scene, and 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 Makarn is out there watching these ninjas scale the building, and eventually one of the guys just shoots him yeah. off the building. It's like, why didn't you guys just do that yeah. from the get-go? Well, they didn't know they were climbing up on the outside like that until too late. But uh, a hotel employee knocks on Scott's door to see what's making all the racket. Oh, I'm being killed by notoriously silent assassins. <laughs> That's they what all the exist. racket is. <laughs> that have been dead for 300 years. <laughs> One of McCarn's men shoots the last ninja off the side of the building. And it seems like McCarn is mad that they shot the ninja while he was still so high off the ground. Because it means more cleanup for them. Like he was like, couldn't you have shot him lower? Sakura psychically predicts that his long-lost brother Scott is coming. AJ is in a taxi that pulls up to a red light. Apparently, he also went home and got some sleep before he left town. Uh, he's waiting at a red light, and he pays the driver so that he can get out here in the middle of the crosswalk. At the same intersection, Scott and the defector are in the back of a different taxi on the opposite side of the intersection. And they see AJ do this. But they don't get out of their taxi, even though their whole plan was to intercept AJ before right. he got to the camp. Uh, AJ is now bothering people playing chess near Echo Park Lake, where earlier this year we were tracking down Ramon the alligator from Alligator. But all he wants to know is the what country. country. <laughs> what? 
Russia. Great. Uh, perfect. <laughs> Basically the address. I'll just head on over to Russia. I'll just mail myself to Russia. But yeah, he's he's trying to get the name of a country and he can't even get that. Um, he follows the guy the whole way home. And the guy's like, do you have money? Money. Come on inside. We'll talk. So like, he's probably should have opened with that. Yeah. I'll pay you money. I wouldn't have annoyed you all day. <laughs> instead of just coming up to random people in the park saying, what country? Where do they train ninjas? <laughs> Who are you? I don't know anything about ninjas. Next table. <laughs> are, are, they, are they Japanese or Chinese? <laughs> Scott and the defector charter a plane to the octagon camp. Uh, they stop at a hotel, though, to sleep for another night. So it's now been 48 hours since they decided to set off on this journey. At the hotel, they sleep in separate twin beds, and the defector starts flirting with Chuck Norris. Somehow, a third woman has found him charming in this movie. There's really <laughs> nothing to this character, though. She tells him about an award-winning hog she had as a child. That was set on fire! <laughs> yeah, not unlike the hog in the back of the plane of the island after it exploded oh. on the runway. Yep. Uh, she moves to his bed and they make love, thinking about the hog on fire. <laughs> we, get, <laughs> we get random cuts of Sakura practicing for their face-off. AJ sneaks up on the octagon midday, unarmed, and is predictably captured by ninjas. Now that they've reached the octagon, the girl can go home. Scott leaves without her. AJ, AJ, you're here. If I could take your place, your place, can I do it? Can I kill my brother? Why, Why has it come to this? Chuck trims a ninja from the tree with a throwing knife. Defector changed her mind and brought a branch to a ninja fight. Scott kills a handful of ninjas, including one that he drowns sociopathically nonchalantly. <laughs> like the guy's struggling for breath underwater and Chuck's just looking around like, hmm, where should I eat after this? <laughs> Scott is cornered by 10 ninjas until the wall behind him slides open and he's pushed into a cage where he finds AJ in a separate cage. Hey, hey wait a minute. No. He's pushed into the octagon. Show some respect. Okay. Now we're in the octagon. Nobody calls up that. <laughs> except Richard. <laughs> AJ is apparently furious that Scott showed up because he wanted to kill these hundred ninjas by himself. Like, he's not happy to see Scott at all. He's just like, this was my mission. I was like, I could do it. <laughs> so you're in a cage, you idiot. The ninjas all drag AJ out of his cell and put a big sword to his neck. And Scott is forced through an obstacle course, facing off with ninjas one at a time, which is much easier than a group of them, uh, until the end where he sees AJ tied to a big post, and he has to face off with Kyo. In the credits, he's K-Y-O, Kyo. That's the masked man. IMDB Trivia says that the actor playing this part was kept secret, even from most of the cast, but I'm not sure why, because we never see his face in the movie, and it's not played like a big reveal or anything. Yeah, and also all his like grunting sounds just sound like someone blowing their nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Yeah. He's got a bad loogie. Somehow the straw they're fighting on catches fire here. Well, AJ AJ breaks loose from his captors, grabs a torch and lobs it into the hay. Yeah. So he's just lighting the the arena on fire where yeah. they're going to compete. Uh, and just when Scott seems to have defeated the masked man, he whips out another throwing blade from his wrist. At the same time as Kyo hits him in the chest with a ninja star. So he throws one at Sakura and the the masked man throws one at Scott. And Sakura pulls a scythe tight against AJ's neck. To convince Sakura to have mercy on his friend, he takes Sakura's buddy and kicks him into a pile of fire, <laughs> killing him. Uh, he turns back to Sakura to see AJ's throat slit and his corpse tossed off of the octagon wall 15 feet to the ground. So now so the every only- single person yes. we could possibly have cared about... <laughs> has been brutally murdered by ninjas. <laughs> the only people that he has been tasked to yeah. help in this movie have died. And all the, all this time, like Chuck Norris sneaking in, fighting ninjas, setting buildings on fire, fighting the octagon, we just keep cutting to Aura, uh, the, 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 defector. the defector, running around with a fucking machine gun. Yeah. She's just running She's around. not shooting it at all. She's just running from place to place. Yeah. Uh, but the students of this ninja school are making excited shouts about Kyo being dead. And uh, a dozen ninjas encircle Scott here. But then the other students start making plans, the ones who haven't graduated yet. Yeah, well, I think, like, I, to me, what was happening here was that it was supposed to be one-on-one with Sakura. 
and everyone was waiting for that fight. And then Sakura brings out a whole bunch of other guys to fight. Yeah. And and everyone's like, hey, wait a minute. This is bullshit. You're supposed to be like the best fighter. Yeah. Everyone starts like 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 getting mad about it. And that's when they start trying to take out the other ninjas. Like, we want to make sure that this yeah. guy gets his one-on-one fight. But one of them hucks a ninja star at one of the guys on the ground trying to attack Scott. And then the rest just suddenly join in to Scott's team. Uh, the defector lady surprises a few more students who call themselves mercenaries. And with an Uzi, convinces them to join the cause. Suddenly, Scott is facing off with Sakura after everyone else is fighting each other. Uh, The defector and the mercenaries start dumping flammable barrels all over the camp. So I'm not clear on the whole point of this ninja training camp in the first place. They're just charging for a skill set that they're giving to mercenaries. Okay, so it it really is like a for-profit college-type situation. Yeah. Okay, so... In that situation, let's say you've paid a bunch of money to go and earn a skill from yeah. somebody. You're going to go murder your teacher. You're going to go murder leave? your teacher or get really excited when somebody else murders your teacher. You're like, I paid a lot of money yeah. to get information from this guy because yeah. he's really good. Why did you kill my teacher? But at the same time, all of these guys who are in the training camp really don't seem like they want to be there. Right. Right. Like they're but being the, held against their will or something. Nobody like, wants to go you, to college either. paid to be That's there. True. <laughs> but those people, yeah, it's like. I murdered the whole faculty, and I still have to pay off this student loan for the rest of my life? <laughs> I feel like I made some poor decisions. You're right. College is as dumb as ninja training camp. Exactly. No, ninja <laughs> training camp makes a lot more sense right now. Uh, the whole octagon thing was built for this movie and was actually burned down at the end of the shooting, intentionally. The gas is lit, and Sakura's building explodes, so he just runs for it and surprises Scott in the dark. The two of them face off for a while. Scott insists that he will kill Sakura here, and stabs him through the chest fairly easily. It's not a, It's not the longest fight in the movie, which it, it should realistically have been if you wanted to imply that these two were at all evenly matched. Even though we've only seen Scott beat this guy four times over the course of the movie right. in, in the past. We cut to Chuck against the rising sun, and we get the credits over that. And I can't help but think that if their father hadn't made a rule against these brothers attempting to forgive each other, that a lot of these deaths could have been avoided. Our director here was Eric Carson. Uh, he directed Opposing Force with Tom Skerritt and Black Eagle with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Lee Chapman also wrote Dirty Mary Crazy Larry and acted in eight episodes of Man from Uncle. And she also wrote two Walker, Texas Ranger episodes. Story here was by Paul Aaron. Um, he directed Chuck's previous kung fu movie, A Force of One. And he also directed Deadly Force and Maxi. Chuck Norris was Scott James. He was in Way of the Dragon, as we said, with Bruce Lee. He's the lead for Invasion USA, A Force of One, Delta Force. Uh, he plays Booker in the Expendables franchise. He plays Walker, Texas Ranger in Walker, Texas Ranger. He's also in a movie called Sidekicks with Jonathan Brandis. That was yeah. Karen Carlson played Justine. Not the same last name as the director, but close. Uh, mostly TV stuff for her. Lee Van Cleef was McCarn. He plays Hawk in Escape from Alcatraz. He's the bad in mm-hmm. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. He's Colonel Douglas Mortimer in For a Few Dollars More. And Reese in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Art Hindle was AJ. He has some beautiful hair in this movie. He played Chris Hayden in Black Christmas and Ted Jarvis in Proxies. Tadashi Yamashita played Sakura. He was Black Star Ninja in American Ninja. He also played the Eastern Trainer in Jim Kata and Nakamoto Yakuza in Rising Sun. Larry D. Mann, that's a cool name. I'm Larry <laughs> D. Mann. He played Tibor. 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 Uh, he was Watkins in In the Heat of the Night. He was a train conductor in something. <laughs> I just wrote train conductor. Maybe he was an actual train conductor. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and he's also in two MacGyvers. Uh, he plays Kuzo in Humanity, where MacGyver befriends a Russian soldier. And he's also in The Heist, where he plays a S- Senator Daniel Sims, a uh, diamond thief who is dispatched by Vernon Wells in the opening game. You're the accountant, Sims. You figure it out. Yeah. Bang, bang. Uh, he's also the voice of Yukon Cornelius. Ah. So that's fun. Richard Norton played Kyo and Longlegs. So he was... One of the other people in the octagon and the guy in the mask, but who cares? Uh, he did stunts. He's a stunt man, and he did stunt work in James Gunn's Suicide Squad, X-Men Dark Phoenix. He plays eight characters in eight different episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. And he's also the prime imperator in Mad Max Fury Road. Wait, which one was this? 
Richard Norton, the guy, Kyo, the masked guy. Okay. Brian Libby played Deadweiler. He plays Floyd in The Shawshank Redemption, Sheriff McGee in Green Mile, and he's the chief mechanic in Air Force One. Gerald Okamura was ninja instructor. That could be anybody. He plays Outworld Warrior in Mortal Kombat. He plays Wing Kong Hatchet Man in Big Trouble in Little China, so I know who this is. It's the bald guy with the tiny ponytail um, just at the very top of his head that was one of the teachers in the in the octagon. But he's, uh, yeah, he's one of the, the bad guys in that first fight in the alleyway in Big Trouble. Um, and he's also Hard Master in G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra. Joe McDonald was Amy Lee. Uh, she was Marilyn Munster in the 81 iteration of the Munsters. She was Jan Rains in a movie called Island Claws, which I thought for a moment we were missing from 1980, but it turns out it never got a theatrical release. But it features crabs like the size of a house attacking people on the beach and Barry Nelson from The Shining uh, and the first James Bond. Jack Carter was Sharky. He played the mayor in Alligator earlier this year, and he was also a rat vendor in History of the World. Uh, the mayor, I think, is the one whose daughter is getting married in Alligator before the Alligator interrupts the wedding reception. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie Hudson was Quinine. Uh, he only gets that one scene in this movie. He's Winston Zeddemore in the Ghostbuster films. He's Albrecht in The Crow, Captain Monroe Kelly in Congo, and he was going to star in a horror short that I wrote for a horror anthology feature that ended up falling apart. I think he was having health issues and they rescheduled and then other people weren't available but uh it would have been it was fun writing for something that i thought ernie hudson was going to be in and uh i'm sad that it didn't happen but it was it was pretty dark so <laughs> i don't have to <laughs> go into it on this um aaron norris played hat band uh i don't know who hat band was presumably somebody that works either for doggo or the octagon this is chuck's little brother as the last name norris uh might suggest he was also a producer on Walker, Texas Ranger, and did stunts in Ant-Man. Enrique Lucero played One-Armed Man. He was a villager in The Magnificent Seven and Ignacio in The Wild Bunch. John Fujioka was Isawa the Teacher. He played Shinyuka in American Ninja. He's the chief priest in Mortal Kombat. We've already had him this year as Mr. Yuatsum in Private Eyes. And he was also Cleveland in Last Flight of Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Mike Norris played Scott at age 18. Again, last name Norris. This is Chuck's son playing him, the younger version of him. His first appearance was Pizza Skateboarder in A Force of One, another Chuck Norris film. He's also, I was hoping that that was the title of the movie. <laughs> Pizza Skateboarder. You'll have to write that one yourself. Doesn't that sound like an amazing like 80? I'd watch it uh, because I have to. Uh, he's in a few Delta Force sequels. And he also plays eight different characters in as many Walker, Texas Ranger episodes. Uh, Brian Tochi played Sakura at 18. He was Takashi in all four Revenge of the Nerds movies. He played Leonardo in the first three live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he was Cadet Nogata in a couple Police Academy movies. Uh, Haven Earl Haley uh, played the Diplomat. I think uh, that's the guy who gets shot at the beginning of the movie. Um, he plays a judge in Casino. And he's the father of Jackie Earl Haley. I was going to say, I yeah. just saw Earl Haley and yep. I was like, what? I looked it up. Uh, Tracy Walter was Mr. Beatty, uncredited for some reason. He's Bob the Goon from Batman. Mm-hmm. He's Miller and Repo Man, uh, Moloch and Conan the Destroyer, and a boat salesman in Matilda. And we had him earlier this year as the killer in The Hunter. Yeah, this is bad. It's, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, the the voiceover only makes an aggravating experience worse yes the writing is really bad the editing is terrible yeah oh god the editing it, i think it really could have benefited from a b story i mean i guess it could have benefited from an a story too i think there was a b story <laughs> that got cut was there i have to assume that this fight expo that they pitched at the beginning was going to have some payoff where after he defeats sakura we see him competing again in a healthy atmosphere again and feeling better about himself. Yeah, but there wasn't, but that still isn't much of a B story to something to cut away right. from. I think it also doesn't make sense that there were three hostages and all three of them died. Right? What was the point of this movie? Yeah, uh, he he failed. He has a zero percent. But also, rate. his the only thing he set out to do in this entire movie, aside from protect these women that got killed, was to stop AJ 
and not kill his brother. Yeah. He literally he failed, failed at every, every single thing he set out to do. Yeah. Well, I feel like the three female characters should have been one female character. Yeah. And that is the character of the defector who defects to get his help. I think that that's, that's your plot. It doesn't need to be this billionaire of a publishing empire who wrote bad stories about Sakura and now they want her dead. Right. Or and it does, the girl that story doesn't brother, matter. Yeah. Or the girl whose brother was involved that he happened to, to go on a date with and they have like this whole date scene. Yeah. But and we, the AJ character could have also been Scott <laughs> because he doesn't do anything in this movie. All he does is get drunk and complain. Right. But what we need to do is really establish like that this ninja school is doing wrong. Like, I mean, I guess they're training mercenaries, but like that in and of itself isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, as but, soon as he finishes burning down the octagon, is he going to go take out every military school in yeah, the whole country? I'm just like, he. what he needs, what they need to do is be like, oh, they're lying to these people. They're bringing them in. They're forcing them against their will to do things they don't want to do and to yeah. train and all of this stuff, like, you know, all this really bad stuff so that there's a reason that she's defecting and she, and she has a goal to like shut down the school mm-hmm. and stop this mad teacher yeah. and that his brother is actually evil. Yeah. But none of that is true. Well, well, they do kill your family if you should ever be caught, captured, or killed. I guess that's bad. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's that's reasonable. If you're trying to protect a, a martial art, you should kill those people. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you should murder those people and their families. Is that why she was defecting? Because she hates her family? <laughs> no, because she <laughs> loves her family. No, because she wants to stop them from killing other people's families like were there other people that wanted to get caught i don't don't even know if she defected (laughs) well she goes to him for help which i guess is a defection but she doesn't like quit the school she She runs away no she is she she steals a truck but didn't she leave the same night as the rest of her graduating class but she's like why is she sneaking away like she's clearly trying to escape without being noticed that's like saying i dropped out of high school because you like didn't come for the graduation ceremony. <laughs> it's like, no, you finished the school. You did all the school parts. You just didn't hear the speech. I don't know. I don't yeah. know why she left. I don't know what her motivation was. Yeah. To stop the school for some reason. Yeah. And and she, and she does have a tiny bit of like, well, you know, originally I thought it would be good, but it was bad. It's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. And, and she's working for Doggo. And she comes across Scott James' file, and she I guess she was like, this guy could stop this. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. Yeah, the story is bad. There's a lot of redundancies. There's a lot of completely unnecessary <sighs> strange. Even like, the, even the McCarn part. Like, McCarn plays no I part don't know. I don't know yeah. who he is. Yeah, and he says, it's like, I'm going to put two bodyguards on you. I don't want them. You got them anyway. It's like, where are they? Yeah. We don't, We never see them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't jump in to save the day when he's captured by ninjas. I was 100% certain McCarn was in on this and was getting money from Sakura. Well, get not like get, and he was trying to keep Scott James from getting too close by yeah. misdirecting him. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's why I thought he was a bad guy because I was sure and then that didn't really pan out, but I was sure of the same thing. I was like, "Oh, he's in on this." Yeah, cuz they the moment he kills Johan when AJ is trying to question him. Yeah, it seems real dark. I was like, "Oh, yeah, he didn't want Johan to answer any questions." And who's Johan again? Uh, he was a bad guy. He he was the But some, how does he He was someone associated with the dancer who died at the beginning. Her brother got killed or captured, so that's why they were coming after her, I think. Um, and I guess Johan knew the brother who was captured, Nancy's brother. So AJ wanted to question him, but I thought AJ was a reporter. <laughs> I, all this time I thought AJ was a reporter and I'm like, oh wait, no, he was just in this fight school. Yeah. Who, who the wait, heck? Wait, are they not cops? No, they're just <laughs> dudes. They're just two guys. They're just two dudes. Just two guys who were having a good time. I think it officially lost me at the whole car switcheroo where they're playing like (laughs) two car Marley. No, no, no. It was it was real romantic, Pat. Was it romantic? It was like floating. Do you think that was their intention? It it was a dance. Do you think it was supposed to be a meet cute? 
because she arranged the whole thing, so it's not a meet cute. And she dies. Yeah, it's not like it's like this romantic ending. And she gets started. She goes, but it was just like, why am I so cold? cold. I was like, oh god. I was sure she was going to go into a coma and we were going to keep flashing back to it and he was going to have to kill ninjas outside the hospital like, you know, when they when they're when Daryl Hannah's sneaking in to kill Uma Thurman like something was going to have to happen at the last second. But no, she's just fucking dead. The second woman that he's in charge of protecting died in a row. My 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 favorite part of of you making that reference was as soon as you said Daryl Hannah, I just pictured her from Splash. Yeah. A and mermaid then, flopping through a hospital. And then I was wait, wait, what? How are we getting here? But um, yeah, this movie was stupid. But <laughs> that stuff with the car, I still can't get past it because she, he, she got her car stuck on purpose, right? Because she knew he would take this Griffith Park road up to the observatory. Yeah, and she's all like, "My one tire is trying to get to heaven, but my other one's trying to get somewhere else." It's like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, he- she refuses to just say what's happening. She has to like write a fucking poem about everything. But also, it's just like, give me your keys, and I'll give you my keys, and then I'll give you your keys, and then you give me my keys, but then I'll give you, and right. then I'll drive you there, and you drive me here. But he sees the mail in her car, like he's like learning something he shouldn't learn, and yeah. I was waiting for that to come back, like, oh, did you you find you know crazy pictures in there well, or on their way back? He says something like, oh, so that car, who did that car belong to? And she's like, me. And he's like, well, your name's not on the registration. And she should have been like, fuck you? What did yeah, you go exactly. through my fucking glove compartment while you were in the car? Because that's not what was sitting on the... It was just mail. Yeah. And all he did was pick one up and read the name on it. Yeah. But... But uh, she's totally been forthright about who she is. Yeah. She's, she was totally honest the whole time. So I don't really understand why you needed the mail at all. Yeah. It, well, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a clue to anything. Well, I guess maybe just to hammer home her address again, like... She's like, I because re- I'm really going to steal this guy's keys and leave him stranded. Yeah. yeah, she should have, like... She knows the way to a man's heart. She should have pretended to accidentally drop some of her mail so that he had to find the address to go mm-hmm. to her house. Yeah. But, yeah. The, and then they go back. The, she's like, oh, you came all the way to my house. I guess I'll drive you back to your car. And then we're both back where we were two hours ago. Mm-hmm. Only now there's someone after us. I think this is just especially frustrating because we know how large Los Angeles is. Nothing yeah. is close. Yeah. It did take you two hours to do that round trip. <laughs> yeah. It's not like she's right around the corner. Anyway, um, Jess up or down? Oh, my God. Down. Down. So down. Yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely, definitely down. I don't know if other than Sidekicks I've ever seen a Chuck Norris movie. And this one is so much worse than i expected especially because i feel like the octagon has a reputation of being at least a decent kung fu movie i had never heard of it <laughs> and i don't know if maybe the fighting is good no it wasn't though i mean not that i I'm, don't know i mean i'm not a fighting expert but i'm just saying it wasn't it like wasn't it, interesting yes that's what i'm yes. saying it wasn't fun to watch maybe yeah. it was performed well i don't know but it wasn't engaging yeah hmm letterboxd what are we doing, Richard? I have this just below middle-aged crazy and Oof. just above happy hooker goes Hollywood. All right, Jess. Um, so this is pretty dang low. I have it below loose shoes. Whoa. What? Yeah, and- I do too, technically. <laughs> and, um, oh, you know, actually, I'm going to, I think I'm going to move it down a little bit. For me, it's going under Defiance and above Baltimore Bullet, which puts it fifth from the bottom. Okay, so I'm going to put this below Middle-Aged Crazy and just above Gorp, which is fourth from the bottom. All right. I think that's about everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Battle Creek Brawl, which IMDb describes like so. A young Asian-American martial artist is forced to participate in a brutal, formal street fighting competition. We leave you now with the trailer for Battle Creek Brawl, a.k.a. The Big Brawl. (laughs) 